I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. What's up, everybody? It's Oops the Podcast. I am Julio Gallarotti. I'm joined by the wonderful, the hilarious, the very colorfully dressed today, Francis Ellis. How you doing, buddy? I'm well, Julio. It's great to see you. It's good to see you too, man. And uh, nice to be back in person together. And ladies and gentlemen, fans of Oops Podcast, I think I can safely say uh, we are now officially back in studio for good. Back in studio. Golf clap. So we did it. We did it. We endured our quarantine. Now we say that, you know, if a second wave hits and the world goes dark again, who knows? But our plan... Having weathered the summer and the uncertain months of May, June, etc., is to now once again going forward be all studio episodes, high quality camera clips, high quality microphones, thousands of dollars that we spent on equipment, high quality conversation. Yeah, better chemistry. HQ combo. Better pizza, Papa John's. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> so we're so glad that you guys stuck with us and uh yeah thank we you. were pumped to be back together for good so thank you guys um gee my god so so much to discuss i know, I know. you just got off the plane from alaska oh yeah i just got off the plane from maine <gasps> did you bring presents i got you guys some presents oh <laughs> gotta start with presents baby there's no reason as to why i just thought that these would be fitting gifts for either of you uh, this is francis is for you yes and chris i thought you would enjoy this bear paw hat oh yeah you know i don't i don't have much red because i'm red and um i therefore i it's a it's a lack in my closet this is sick alaska established 1959 that's pretty that's pretty recent yeah chris what'd you, what'd you get it's all good chris got a bear paw hat that says alaska on it so my dad growing up there's two things that are relevant with my dad let's hear it his secret handshake that he did with everyone he, he coached our lacrosse teams in middle school and stuff and his secret handshake was bear paw. How do you even do that? Go like this. <laughs> and he would always make the sound too. <laughs> yeah, bear paw. And he would say bear paw like that. And then he, sometimes you'd go like that. He'd pull away real quick. <laughs> Thank God he wasn't a pedophile. I, I feel like <laughs> people would have seen it coming. I was singing that. Yeah. yeah. It's like you need to have strong character to pull that one yeah, off. Yeah, you got to be really above board, <laughs> you know? Um, oh, yeah. So that was the bear paw there. And Chris, that hat reminds me of like, I don't know. It just feels like if you went to a cool fishing lodge and then went into the gift shop, that's what, what they might have. That shit's tough, that hat. That hat has like tough colors. Yeah, you it know? does. And you're wearing a really cool I'm wearing one. one as well. Damn, Denali. you guys look sharp. Look sharp. We got the Alaska merch up in the stew, dude. So, dude, tell us about Alaska. Man, there's so much interesting shit. So, first of all. Let me just say this, and you know, I don't know if this is fucked up of me to say, but I went and spent $350 on COVID testing just to arrive, and they, all, they have all these stations, and they're wearing hazmat suits, and it's the whole deal, but 
they don't check the file that you uploaded. So not only did it not matter which kind of test I had uploaded or taken, they didn't check at all. Mm. I could have drawn a smiley face and been fine. I, I've, been hearing so this, I've been hearing this about various states, dude. Frustrating, man. That is frustrating because you spend all the money, you play by the rules, you expect to be called for it and, and then whatever. take pride in, in being a upstanding citizen. But it's, it's amazing how many people weren't prepared, though. They're yeah. just standing there on their fucking phones like, woo, woo. Because you had to upload it to like some online portal thing, mm. which was a you know a hurdle enough. Which I understand, like they want to make sure people are thinking about it. Right. By doing the online portal thing, it feels official and people are stressed about it. And like, I guess I get it, whatever. Mm. But dude, so while I'm on the plane, okay, <laughs> it was a long flight. Obviously, I get a text from our hotel. Just really quick, do you fly L.A. and then L.A.? You I, were in L.A. I was in L.A. Then L.A. To, I think there's direct, but I went L.A. to Seattle, Seattle to Anchorage. Okay. And the plan was I was going to go to this city called Barrow, which is like the northernmost city in Alaska, maybe the world even. But I get a text from the hotel while I'm on the plane that's like, please don't come to our little town. I was like, what? They're like, we have had a COVID outbreak in our little, t- in our little town. <laughs> please, please do not come. Please don't come to our tiny, minuscule, adorable little town. Dude, literally, town. like this crazy text. Um, and I'm gonna see if I can find it. I mean, that's pretty much like all you need to know about it. But dude, so I was like, fuck, like, okay, Jesus. And they're like, please take advantage of, you know, we'll, we'll give you no, no cancellation fee on the hotel, blah, 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 blah. So I kind of get shook and I'm like, all right, like, I don't want to go to some little town where nobody wants me there. Like, right. and there's nobody there. But then I start looking online at the statistics and like, there's no new cases. And I'm kind of like, and then we meet up with some guy who a, fr- a friend of mine, you know, Jade Catapretta. Mm-mm comedian from LA, whatever. She had a friend from Alaska. So she like set us up or whatever. And he was like, yeah, dude, like these little towns will like fake an outbreak so that people don't come because they're because they don't want tourists to bring it because they're like scared because they don't have like that good of infrastructure and they're far away from this and that. So they get, they get scared about the prospect of tourists Mm. coming at all. So that he's like, I wouldn't be surprised if that guy just made that up. The town that cried COVID. What a what a what a dodge from them. I know, right? And that's also tough because, you know, I know that these towns probably rely so much on tourism too. But clearly they've calculated that the hit they would take from a COVID outbreak far outweighs whatever they lose in discouraging tourists from coming. Right, I guess. Like these are three thousand person towns or whatever. But dude, anyway, so I get off the plane in Anchorage, we're in the Uber, and our driver is this like he looks like he was Hawaiian. And I was like, why do like, I was like, I didn't realize, you know, native Alaskans look like Hawaiians. Hmm. I was like, that's so crazy. So my friend Andy and I were talking about this. We're like so blown away. And then later in the night, we are are like hanging with this guy. He's like, yeah, there's a big Samoan population here. Like that guy wasn't the native. (laughs) Like (laughs) the natives do look like, you know, what you think natives look like. Right. Um, The only difference is they don't live in igloos. They live on the street. Which you is, mentioned that. Which is fucked up. Yeah. But like, dude, there's just like the liquor stores there were crazy strict. Like they don't sell nips in Anchorage. They only sell big bottles. There's a security guy. You get ID when you walk in the door of the liquor store and when you pay. Is this meant to discourage alcoholism? I think because like the the native population has like a big alcoholism and like drug problem, problem maybe. So like it was really dodgy, dude. And That's I don't know if sad. that was like a COVID thing, but like Anchorage felt strict. Like not that safe, which was surprising. Mm. I the only image I really have of Anchorage is from there was a movie that had 
Ryan Reynolds and the lady, the wonderful actor from The Blind Side. Sandra Bullock? Sandra Bullock, where she's <laughs> his boss and they have to fake a marriage in order for her to get a green card. Maybe it's called The Proposal or something. What? Yeah, I don't know. Have you ever seen that movie? I don't think I've seen it. It's good. And turns out he comes from money and is part of the sort of landed gentry of Anchorage, Alaska. They own all the department stores. Oh, okay, okay. Anyway, great scenes of Alaska, but that's all I know of Alaska. Yeah. How is Anchorage as a city? Is it pretty normal or beautiful? Great food. You know, there's really nice parts of it. Like the residential parts are really nice. The like city part is like, there's a lot of sca- like homeless people and like people that look like they're on drugs and shit. Mm. Um, and that's not just native people. It's like it's like a combination. I wonder how how typical that is or whether it's heightened in this time. Because I, yeah, I heard that it's both. Like it's right. the way it is in New York. Like it's more obvious exactly. because uh, the normal like pe- non homeless people aren't as many of there aren't as many of them walking around. Right. Um. But do some very funny shit. Some very funny things happen. So first of all, we're only in Anchorage for a couple of days, and then we kind of do the like Alaska shit—the shit you do when you go to Alaska. Mm-hmm. So basically, in this part from Anchorage, there's one highway that goes all the way up to Fairbanks, which is like the northernmost big city, and all the way south to Seward, which is like on kind of like the water, and there's like these fjords and all this shit. So like you basically go along this this one road. So we kind of went. We went to Denali National Park, and we went to these the Kenai fjords and all this shit. Um, and it's funny, you know, it's, it's like really rugged, like people, it's hard to survive there. Mm-hmm. Like the roads are always perfectly brand new paved because they're constantly putting in new roads because of how hard it is for roads to survive. Oh. They have to pave everything all the time. Mm-hmm. So you're always driving on brand new roads, which is fucking crazy dude. But That's interesting. this is all right. So this isn't exactly an Alaska, an Alaska related thing, but I, tell me if you guys have heard of this before. This is cracking me up. So we're waiting for the to go to the bathroom at a convenience store, and the guy was just taking forever. And my friend Andy goes, he goes, dude, he's taking a number three. Have you heard of a number three? No. I'm like, what the fuck's a number three? He's like, dude, he's jerking it. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking great. Well, sometimes my number threes are quicker than my number twos. (laughs) I was like, I've never heard of the number three. I've never heard that either. No. I know. I don't know. I enjoyed that. Um, Another good thing, if you're on a road trip with your friend. A great prank is to just hit the heated seat button. Oh. That's just the best prank in the hate world. It. I start panicking. I think I'm dying. It's the best prank that exists. Oh, my God. Your whole body starts to get the cring, cring, creeping sensation of the heat, and you think it's you at first. You think there's something wrong with you. Dude, it's such innocent fun. My girlfriend did it to me once. It's just so fun. Yeah, it sounds like innocent fun. You want to hear a really fucked up dark turn on this? Sure. Jesus. So... I heard a story once of, and you know, who knows how true this is, but I think it's true because the people who told me were reputable sources, said that a girl they knew, like the daughter of some friend, she was paralyzed from the waist down, right? No Mm. sensation in her legs. Mm. And that she was in one of these cars and the heated seats were turned all the way up and she couldn't feel it. And she got burned. Oh my God. Really bad burns on her legs. Jesus. But there was no reason that this, it would, that she ended up suing the car company. I, right. I don't know if the seat was malfunctioning, but there was no reason, even if you aren't paralyzed, that a, a seat should get so hot that it should burn your legs. <laughs> Dude, that's fucked up. 
right? Absolutely. There's yeah. no re- like that should not be happening. You yeah. should be sweating a little too much at the I know. very least, or the, at the most. Right. So okay. So keep going. So you you're driving up and down. Did you have an itinerary? Yes. So I so the itinerary honestly would have been perfect if this Barrow thing had worked out because it's like you go to Anchorage, you kind of do like the little city thing, whatever. You know, it wasn't like a big city, but then mm-hmm. you go to the, the northernmost fucking place that's like adventurous. You know what I mean? Off the beaten path, not the common thing people do. Then we went on like a boat to go see these these glacier fjords. Hmm. which is like a thing that people do there. Cool. We uh, we took a fucking little plane onto a glacier. I saw that. That looked sick. really cool. Dude, it was sick. Very, very cool. Um, and I found out later that like that company had actually crashed into the side of a mountain the year before. And the people didn't die in impact. They froze to death because no one could come rescue Oh, them. God. It's like that movie with Idris Elba and um, the woman from Titanic. Which one's that? Um, I don't even know. Something about being in a mountain. And being freezing. lost in the mountain. They get injured. <laughs> they need to c- climb their way out. Dude, well, then we took a bus tour. Let's see how many of your stories I can relate to movies. <laughs> this is good. I know. This is good. <laughs> we then took the, dude, these, and these, these things were all so long. We took this eight hour bus tour yeah. through Denali. Oh, and dude, it's funny. You see all these animals, which is fun, but they're like 500 yards away. Oh. So they're like, look, a bear. Everyone's like, oh my God. But like the bear is tiny. It looks like an ant. Mm-hmm. And then the woman has a fucking like camera and you can see a video on the thing. Um, so it was cool, but we're like, fuck, like that sucks that we couldn't get closer. So then we went back into the park by ourselves mm-hmm. later because you can, you can go up to like the first 10, 15 miles. And we got really close to like a flock of moose, which was sick. Oh. Which I'm sure you've seen a shit ton of moose in your day. I have not seen as many in the wild as you would think. Right. Perhaps one or two. <laughs> Are they a flock? I'm not sure. Is it a herd of moose? Probably a it's herd. Probably a herd. <laughs> I think a flock, flock is of dogs. Winged <laughs> animals. Winged <Dude>. animals. <laughs> Dude, but my friend was cracking me up because. Uh, like people would freak out about everything. Like a fucking crow would be next to the bus, and everyone would be like, "Oh my god, a crow!" Yeah. And people are like running over and taking. Dude, the other thing, the, like, there's something about the national park population. Like, I would love to help the national parks give themselves a makeover because it's so sick. But it's just filled with like boring ass old people. Mm. And dude, like, we drove off the road a little bit to like get a picture of the moose, and some guy goes, "You can't, you can't do, you can't do that. You can't drive off the road." I literally wanted to be like, Pew! yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in the fucking shoot. What do you, what is he going to do? Nothing. You know? I literally turned around and looked at him and turned right back around and kept filming. It's, it's, um, the national parks. Yeah. I wonder, you know, they're, they're, I, there's, I guess the beauty in, in so, so many of them is that they are untouched. Right. Yeah. So it's in a way you don't want them to be over glamorized or, to have crazy you know i think they pr- they really limit the hotels and stuff that can be built within them right oh i mean yeah but so you know but there's there's a lot of hotels and stuff typically outside of them yeah that you- and and it, it's usually really well equipped for tourists mm-hmm. like dude even at denali it was the last night that denali was open dude the convenience stores were had the entire store 50 percent off i've never seen that before wow like a convenience slash liquor store the entire store 50 percent off Pretty good. On those type of those type of items are never no everything must go. No. You know what I mean? So it should be theoretically set up for it, but it's just like not cool. Mm-hmm. There's like a couple of them that are becoming cool, like Zion is like 
a great like glamping place. Like mm-hmm. I feel like LA people go and they're mm-hmm. like Zion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like there's other, you know what I mean? But like there's others like Alaska's sick, dude. I believe it. I, I don't know much about Alaska and I'm very impressed that you felt the, the urge to go check it out because it's massive, massive. It's an enormous state. Is it the biggest landmass state by? Yeah. I think like by far. Huh. And there was, they were like listing off some crazy stats about how wide it's like as wide as the, the lower 48 or something. Oh my God. I know. What? I know. I, I like can't imagine how that's even true. Yeah. That um, sounds like something they made up to impress visitors. Yeah, and only nine, only 1% of it is privately owned. 99% of it's wilderness. Oh my gosh. It's fucking nuts. So dude, another fact that I learned, I learned a bunch of these facts on this bus tour. The bus lady was so funny. She had all these stories. It was an eight hour bus ride. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, so these people saw a moose going across the road, but he was running away and they thought that was unusual. But there was a grizzly bear. <laughs> she had, she was, it, I was just captivating. I was like, this is so fucking good. Uh-huh. Um, but she said that the reason why moose are always in the middle of the road is because they're bad in the snow. They get like all fucking clumsy in the mm-hmm. snow. So mm-hmm. they just hang out in the middle of the road, which is why I've never fucking seen one because I'm never in the moose area when there's snow. There's always moose signs and I never see a moose. I'm like, fuck this shit. Oh, okay. You know how I you'll see. see a moose sign? Yep. And oh, no yeah. moose, mm-hmm. no corresponding moose. Boy, so that, okay. So you got your fill of, of moose. I saw it all, dude. Grizzly bears from three miles away. Yeah. Well, that's probably it's for the cool. best. Probably for the best. Grizzlies don't fuck around, dude. Right. Um, Apparently, so if you see a grizzly, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get big mm-hmm. and you're supposed to talk. Which I think that's so funny because the woman was saying, you go, hey, bear, hey, bear, but you don't need to. It's a fucking bear. You don't have to be like, we're humans. You could say anything. You'd be like, suck my dick, bear. Suck. I guess you probably want to be nice. Like, suck my dick, bear. Whatever. Because apparently they don't like the taste of humans. So if you show them you're a human, uh-huh. they'll go away. Like, they're not going to attack you. Okay. Yeah. I have my <laughs> doubts about that. <laughs> Also, you know, how many bears come in for one bite and think, oh, that's not what I thought it was. That's, yeah, that's a good point. They're scavengers, right? Are they really going to be that picky? You know, I don't know. No, dude, don't... totally. And you know what they do? This is another funny thing the lady was saying. So like a wolf will kill something and then the bear will eat what, and will scare the wolves away. And to make sure nothing can eat the food, it'll eat and then it'll sleep on top of the food. Oh, <laughs> Until it's ready to eat again, and it'll eat it all and not leave anything for anyone. I passed out in a bowl of soup once, <laughs> so I can relate to that. Did you really? Yeah, my friend had to pull my collar out so I didn't drown. What? I was so drunk. Oh. <laughs> soup on my face, am I right? <laughs> you passed, did you, did you I just splat? fell, it was like, Are yeah, there was s- enough in the, in the left of the soup that I sort of put my face in it. I don't even know how that happened. I, I was really fucked up i mean really drunk and uh they had to pull me out they had to pull me out of the soup that's crazy yeah that's sad that would have been it really was my bad. my junior in college it was the initiation dinner for the club i was in the final club and uh i mean we were passing around bottles of wine and it was like who could chug a full bottle of red full did, bottle of red wine you ever chug you? a full bottle of wine no it's not fun dude dude it's real like drinking too much wine feels terrible it's awful yeah yeah, it was total, total mayhem. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, 
fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. So Alaska, my here's my thought. Do you remember in Forgetting Sarah Marshall when they talk about why people move to Hawaii? Yeah, I mean, that's, like, Sarah Marshall, that's like my favorite movie. Yeah. I, I don't remember specifically. Sarah Marshall accuses um, the girl from uh, that 70s show of, uh, of, of moving out there because she gave up on life, kind of. Right. Ran away, sort of. And I can see Hawaii sort of being that way. I feel like people move to Hawaii when they want just perfect weather and paradise and, you know, mm. are sick of city living or something. I feel like people move to Alaska to hide. <laughs> like if you've done something really bad, Dude, that really, really bad, you move there. I, that, there's a lot of tough guys walking around those parts. Mm -hmm. They even told me, I don't know if I mentioned this, but like one of my friends was like, dude, like stay out of local bars. Like people get wasted and like yeah. love to fight and shit. Yep. Yep. So maybe, dude. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder, but also they pay you to live there. Do you know that? It's not a, a significant amount, but every single year you're alive that you live in Alaska, you get two thousand dollars. Everybody in the country, everybody in the state. So UBI, Universal Basic Income. Yes. Just for that state. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's what Andrew Yang talked about when he was running for president. It's an interesting concept. I mean, I know that like some rich countries do it. I know they do it in Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Um, very interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. so overall, would you recommend for people to go? Definitely. It's, it can get a little pricey, um, but that surprises me. Well, it's just it, things like add up with yeah. the trip. You and you're I mean? a tourist. So you wanted to see the fun stuff and like stuff is hard to access. So like right. going, you know, like flying, I, I highly recommend flying around and like going to these little planes and shit. I mean, it's, it, I, I know that I told the story about the people crashing, but I think for the most part, it's pretty safe. Mm -hmm. um, Denali's the highest mountain peak in North America, 20,000 feet. Whoa. Which is pretty fucking That's cool. That's up there. Um, we, and we got like, you can only see it 30% of the time and we got like a pretty good glimpse at it, which is pretty cool. Nice. Um, but listen to this. This is a crazy fact. That's not even in the top 110 mountain peaks in the world. Wow. There's, there's over 100 because the, the list stops at the top 110. So I don't even know how many more there are before you get to Denali. Jeez. But that just shows how many high-ass fucking mountains there are. I wonder how many there are in the Himalaya. Like quite a few. How many of the top 110? I was banging through them and most of them. Yeah, that were. makes sense. Which, what a crazy mountain range. Yeah, that one's really intense. Yeah, dude. Uh, wow, dude. Very cool. Uh, congrats on, on making it to Alaska. Do you feel like you covered it? Do you feel like you left? You you know you you sometimes when I leave a place that I've gone to visit I feel like I've got this I didn't get it I didn't touch every stone you know there's more to do for sure um but I think it was the perfect introduction to Alaska crash course got it did the stuff that people do and if I want to go get like crazy with it I can and but if you never go back you're satisfied yeah cool yeah. 
Nice. Okay. Yeah, man. Chapter closed. Chapter closed for now. That's great. Well, what have you been doing, dude? Ooh, boy, oh boy. <laughs> well, I, I, nothing quite as grandiose as that. Uh, I mean, that you know, we could spend hours talking about Alaska yeah. for sure. But I have some some closer to home things that I would like to to pick your brain about. Please, dude. Please. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is empathy versus sympathy. Mm. So this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. And I have a very good friend. His name's Abba. You've met Abba. I know Abba, yeah. Abba is... I'll give you a little info on him. Abba, Abba grew up in Berkeley, California. He's a very interesting guy. He played tennis at Harvard. He's black. Uh, his mom is, I think, a professor of African studies. Uh, his dad is white and Jewish. So grew up in a very cross-cultural family. Right. Um, incredible sort of story that he can tell about all of that. And I have wonderful debates with him. We are very open to, I call him whenever I'm in the car and he, he picks up and we just sort of yell at each other for 25 minutes <laughs> and we have a great time with it. We have the, we have the type of friendship that we can, we can do that. And one of the things, you know, obviously he was very uh, affected by the George Floyd and, and all the ensuing horrible m moments, uh, Jacob Blake, et cetera. Um, and it has a lot of thoughts about it. And I said to him once, you know, cause I think he, he asked me once why I don't bring up these issues more in this group chat that we're in. Mm -hmm. Cause he knows that I think about it a lot. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, sometimes I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely feel sympathy for everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And he got angry with me for saying that. Interesting. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you mean empathy, don't you? Because if you if you say sympathy, that means that you feel bad for these people, mm -hmm. uh, and that's insulting. Uh -huh. And I said, well, hold on a second, because empathy to me means being able to relate to a person, to put right. yourself in their shoes. That's what I what comes to mind for me. To and as well. sympathy, by my understanding, was to. Not not necessarily feel bad in a condescending, patronizing way, but to know that your heart feels for something that's happening. Totally. If you get punched in the face, I'm allowed to feel sympathy for you. Yeah, you that's can feel sympathy for me. If you've been punched in the face yourself, you might feel, feel empathy, empathy for me. Right. Right. right? But, but I, he gets angry with me over this use of the word sympathy. And I said to him, well, hang on. If I were to say that I feel empathy for black people and the struggle that they're going through, to me, that is tone deaf. Because how dare I pretend that I can understand right. what it's like to be a black person right. and to face these struggles. Right. And so we had this debate and we sort of kind of understood each other a little better because he said basically, look, black people don't want people to feel bad for them they want change they want to galvanize change they want equality that's not going to be coming from people who just you know like, oh, offer them like here yeah, have my worn out clothes and <laughs> warm yourself whatever it may be you know come yeah. by the fire um so i wanted to get your thoughts on empathy 
versus sympathy. It doesn't have to be in relation to what's happening in the world today, but in general, those two things and, and how they have been in your life. Right. Well, it's in, I, I, I tend to kind of side with how you briefly summed it up. You know what I mean? Where it's like sympathy, I feel if it's something that has happened to you that hasn't happened that hasn't happened to me. Yeah. That's how I typically will think about it. But I think you can kind of twist empathy a little bit. So if I, if you and I have suffered the same exact thing, I can feel empathy for you, right? Mm-hmm. But I also think that there's some degree of, you know, in that situation, I don't know if this is what he meant by wanting you to feel empathy, but like put yourself in their shoes. Therefore, that can spur some sort of second degree empathy or something. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, 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 this is me overthinking it now because of the discussion. But initially, the way I see it is like empathy, I can relate. Sympathy, I can see that it sucks, but it's never happened to me. Good. That's a better way, I think, of saying it. Yeah. Because a lot of people hear sympathy and they just assume you're kind of going, oh. And that's it's not, not that. That's not how I feel sympathy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Same. So it's like a semantics thing. I maybe. feel sympathy for women who have had bad things happen to them, like whatever, victims of abuse. But I have never been a victim of abuse. I, I have sympathy for all these things. And it doesn't mean that I'm... No, totally. Putting them... Like thinking less of them or somehow. Right. It's not like you're like throwing... It doesn't mean you're throwing money at the problems. No. To, in any way. Yeah, like figuratively speaking. But this, that's, this is potentially a good segue. Okay. Feeling sympathy for victims hmm. into the other topic that you had mentioned you wanted to discuss today. I don't know where you're about to go, but, but I'm excited okay. to see where it is. Francis texted me, and I, lo- I love this. I love that he did this, and I'm happy you did, and I'm happy that this should hopefully show you that I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to get a text from Francis that says, yo, watch this. I want to talk about it. Oh, fantastic. And I'll be like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. Yes. And yes, I did, yes, yes, yes. and I enjoyed it, and I'm happy that we're here to talk about it because this is some good shit. Great. This is a great, great transition. <laughs> Okay, what do you got? Okay, so Francis texts me and he goes, dude, you got to check out The Vow on HBO. Yes. Um, And this is actually a perfect time to be talking about it because it's early enough in the season that no matter how comprehensive our discussion is, it will not be spoiling anything. Correct. Like you are not going to learn anything here that you won't be able to learn from the trailer. Yeah. And, and, And just with that said, there are three episodes out. Go watch them on demand on HBO or whatever. Uh, Pause the episode right now. We're not going to, like, I guess minor spoiler alert, but we don't know what ha- is going to we don't, happen. Yeah, we've only seen the three episodes as well. Yeah. So, um, I told Julio to watch this because I am hooked. Yeah, me too. On this documentary. Me too. I am hooked. And, and, and there are a couple things. So, it's about Nexium, spelled N-X-I-V-M. Which I thought was very clever. What does that mean? I don't know. I thought it was heartburn medicine. it's nexium esp but the esp is not extrasensory perception it is uh elite success program or something like that it's a bunch of jargon yes yeah so all of this you know is was it's a you may have heard about it because it was up in upstate new york and the news broke uh I think a year ago of this crazy cult that had been found out for money laundering and sexual abuse. It's a sex cult. It was very, but there are celebrities that are in it. 
it was very glamorous and kind of sensational and a lot of I remember hearing about it and 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 having it be a blog that someone wrote at Barstool and it you know and that was sort of the end of it. I'd never heard of it up to that point. Right. And I hadn't heard of it until you texted me. Yeah. But it's what's so cool about this documentary is that I think you made this point or someone made this point that all the best a lot of the best documentaries start out with the intention of painting a certain picture yeah. and then in the process something insane happens or is discovered and the documentary pivots yes. to cover that thing. Yes. I did it happened that. with the Icarus documentary about the Russian doping scandal. Uh, and it's happened with a lot of other Grizzly things. Man, Searching for Sugar Man, all these like really good documentaries. Yes, you, it was you who said it. And that this is definitely the case in this Nexium doc because the, the, docu- the head filmmaker who, by the way, is an accomplished, decorated filmmaker and was a major subscriber to the cult to yeah. the program himself w- set out to illustrate and and sort of document this this movement this organization from a positive perspective right 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 he was he was a hardcore follower he's in it he says this thing is awesome i want to spread the word i'm going to use my skill as a documentary filmmaker to to show this and then of course halfway through he starts to wake up a little bit. Yeah. And what's so cool about this is that all of that happened like in the last two years. Dude, totally. That's it the coolest part the of it. It is the most recent documentary I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. And that's what's so cool about it. Like the Wild Wild Country is a much more epic like cult, but it happened 40 years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is happening now. Right. And that is what I think is so cool about it. Right. It's like, I can really relate to it because it's happening in the era that I'm alive and of age that I could theoretically be susceptible to something like this. Which I cannot believe people are still falling for this shit. Okay. But Julio, this is the heart of what I want to discuss yes, with you. love it. Because I can say with 100% certainty that not only would I have fallen for this, <laughs> Not only would I absolutely have fallen for this cult, I probably would have tried to start this thing. I would have wanted to spearhead this cult. The guy who leads it, my issue with him is not that he's some sicko. It's that I think I would have done a better job than he did. He's charismatic. Yes, he's well spoken. Yes, he is sort of a great listener and somehow hypnotizes these people through conversation into becoming th- thinking he's almost a deity. Yeah, a, right. some clairvoyant being. And yeah. and yet he's got like a ponytail and he's this sort of you know shitty looking nerd. Dude, and the like the volleyball thing, dude. Oh like my God. they're always playing volleyball. It's amazing how those things that really transcend too. Yeah. I don't want, we'll talk about that in a second. I want to keep hearing about. So, so here's why I say I would have fallen for it. And, and maybe I would have caught on to the warning signs earlier. But like the kissing on the lips. Yeah. There, there may have been some things that I might have thought were stupid. But here, here's the thing, right? The first two episodes of this thing came out and I watched them back to back. And then I had to wait a week until the third oh, episode. Oh, wow. So I saw I saw the first two episodes. 
And it is the most positive, most supportive organization you've ever seen. Right. And it's all about group activities, retreats in the cat skills, games, uh, helping you work through obstacles. There was this crazy scene of how they cured multiple people of Tourette's syndrome. Yeah, that was crazy. How the fuck did they do that? I know, I know. So you you see all these things, and you're you're watching this at a time when you know we recently discussed my dealing with uh, you know some depression and some spiraling stuff and darkness and uh like struggling to find meaning and and looking forward to the next thing and i'm telling you if one of these leaders from this place had come to me and had been somebody that i knew Mm -hmm. and had pitched this thing to me at that time i can't say for certain certain that i wouldn't have done the five-day thing right i can't say for certain that i wouldn't have been like fuck i feel a lot better from this like let's keep seeing where it goes uh and who knows who knows? It's not like it's, you know, they're hitting you right in the face with the stuff. They they lure you in. And they don't show you the true right. colors. They, they don't show you. you what's behind the curtain until they have you hooked. Yes. It's like R. Kelly, bro. It's the same with all these, like, weird fucking cults. Yeah. They groom you. Yep. And before you know it, you lose perspective. And this weird shit they ask you to do right. seems normal. And Scientology is the same way. Same way. Did I ever tell you that I went to the Scientology Celebrity Center on the Upper East Side once no. and did a, an audit? Really? Yeah. How was that? I did an audit. I don't know if it, audit's the right word. I, have you read, uh, have you seen the Going Clear yes. documentary? Yeah. So that's a great documentary too. If I would also really encourage people to read the book uh, because the book is spectacular. Going Clear. If you haven't seen the documentary, read the book first. It's better than the documentary. But the documentary was done by the same guy who wrote the book. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, Scientology, right? It's all about self-improvement and, and mm-hmm. finding ways to get, you know, th- through your mental struggles. They don't believe in psychiatry for some weird reason. They think that mental illness is all sort of a figment of our imagination that it can be sorted out through these tests and these, you know, weird audits and stuff like that. But I went and did it uh, wearing these spy goggles. Oh, hilarious. That had a camera in them. No and it way. was I wanted to turn it into a segment at Barstool and make it funny of me going into the Scientology place and showing what it was really like. And sure enough, understandably, they're not doing anything weird right. for Up the front. guy who walks in off the street. Of course. of course. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it was the most friendly, normal, surface level introductory. Mm-hmm thing i took this multiple choice test it was like 300 questions which were all pretty redundant and then from that they go over your score and they tell you what's wrong with you how they could help you what they would do they don't even really explain the tenets of the religion but if you read dianetics and you read l ron hubbard's stuff you start to get into like the origin story and the the weird volcano and the xenu princess all that shit all that crazy shit and then you're like "Eh, the sailor outfits yeah dude sea org um so two things so first of all um i forget first of all second of all though it's funny it's funny that you say this because i did a similar thing with those those billboards on the side of the highway that are like are you going to hell have you ever seen those yeah and then the bible quote yeah and then there's like a phone number i called the phone number Cool. And I like recorded myself doing it because I thought it was going to be funny. Yeah. And it was like, it was like, who is Jesus? Or like, Jesus is like, 
call to find Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd call and be like, Hey, is Jesus there? You know what I mean? Or something like that. Mm -hmm. And like, see what, and like, it ended up just not being that, not that funny. Yeah. Cause the guy was like, well, actually he's all around you. Yeah. Jesus is everywhere. Julia. And then all of a sudden you start being like, fuck this guy, this guy might be right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I called to be a dick and he saw right through me and taught me a lot about myself. (laughs) Dude. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think that is important. Because there is a lot of like the gray area and the difference between what is a cult and what is a religion and what is self-help. It's like not that there's not a big separation. It's such a great point. Why is the stuff in the Christian Bible any more hard to believe or far-fetched than the basic tenets of Scientology or NXIVM? Yep. Or any of this shit. And dude, and honestly, but and I I'm not trying to insult anyone's faith. Like I am not I am not an atheist by any stretch of the imagination. But it seems to me like all you need to do is last for a few hundred years and get enough followers and you go from a cult to a religion. Maybe. Maybe. I think one thing that I realized from watching The Vow and where we are mm-hmm. is these places quickly determine who their talented people are and they put those people forward as their faces their salespeople, right their recruiters right right christianity was built on proselytizing on people going out and campaigning on on missionary uh right trips on on traveling to c- colonial uh you know holdings and 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 trying to build churches and and convert people right and that's all salesmanship right and that's what but they do nexium yeah. is right 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 that the guy the documentary guy and then that woman she recruited like two thousand something yeah fucking people i know she didn't even know what she's up. doing and do so that's important too because it's like on the surface the thing that they're doing is good like initially like yes. like you said the self-help and the helping you overcome your obstacles to like n- like you can do what you think you can't do all that stuff's great and and I've seen people who go to one of my best friends goes to Tony Robbins mm-hmm. and like loves it. You right. know what I mean? Um, but then it becomes a thing where it's like if the leader is like this dubious character who's also doing really fucked up shit, personally benefiting at other people's expenses, right. that's when it becomes the whole right? thing crumbles. If yes. that's the case, yes. And unfortunately, it often is right. And one of the problems is if you start a movement like that. If you start a religion that gains so many followers, it's going to go to your head, right? Mm-hmm. Like that guy, Keith Ranieri or whatever, mm-hmm. the guy who started this thing, do you think he set out at the beginning thinking, well, I'm going to get 5,000 people to follow this thing. And then once I hit that number, then I'm going to form my inner circle and start cultivating then, sex slaves. Yes. And then I'm going to start fucking and, and, and get to my <laughs> ultimate goal of, of being this like deity deified right. person that everyone worships and has concubines. No, I think he God set out man. with a normal idea. Everyone fell for it. He got enough people who were literally like worshipped the ground he walked on, wanted to be close to him at these volleyball nights. Dude. And volleyball. So like. You're like, well, then, yeah, then, then why, you know, yeah, if people want to touch me, why wouldn't I be able to have sex with them? I am not justifying his behavior whatsoever. I'm just saying you can see how 
if people treat you like God, you might start to think I am a God. God. Totally. And behave like that. And dude, it's, it's incredible how many consistent like things are the same across all of these cults. Yeah. Like, uh, Jerry Jones and like what, what the one in, in, uh, what the fuck's it called in, in South America, not Guiana. I don't know that. Uh, yeah, you do. It's the, they all, they all drink poison. Oh, the Kool-Aid thing. Yeah. They, they all drink the f- yeah. fucked up Kool-Aid. Jerry Jones. I can't believe I can't think of the name of the fucking, um, was Jerry Jones in that Jerry, not Jerry Jones, the football guy. Jerry Jones was, this was oh. his own guy, a different Jerry Jones. Okay. But dude, he used to fuck the men and the women. Yeah. And like, dude, it, like David Koresh, like all these things, the, the, the Bhagawan or whatever, the wild, wild country. And like, I, you know, the, the, the fucking Butterfelt cult, like all these things this have the same shit. Like the leader's this kind of like quirky guy and he ends up banging everybody. And like, I hope, <laughs> you know what I mean? I hope that, I hope that the saturation of cult documentaries makes this more obvious to people. Yeah. Cause especially there's some, what, what is it about LA that makes people so susceptible Dude, to this? I think it's a few things, right? It's the, it's the cult of celebrity. Um, where all it takes is to see that Tom Cruise has joined this thing and who everyone fucking loves Tom Cruise. You know how much Scientology promoted his membership? Dude, it was the it's the craziest thing ever. And 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 you know, how many hundreds of maybe if not thousands of aspiring actresses go out there and are told, well, one way to good make connections and network in show business is by joining our Church of Scientology. Here are some of our members. You know, uh, fucking John right. Travolta, Tom Cruise, right. etc. And you know, you, you're doing whatever you can. It se- that seems like a better idea than bartending, right? Well, you know what? I I think that that. But P.S. It was Guiana, Jerry Jones. Just just I gotta. Re- I don't know it, anything about that. Yes, Jonestown Massacre. Jonestown. Massacre. Um. Anyway, so but dude, based on what, what you're saying there, I think that one of the reasons why L.A. is so susceptible to this is because you move there. You're the hottest person in your town. And they're like, you could be a model. You could make it. And you go out there. They send you pack and everyone waves to you as you take that bus out there. And you go and you realize how fucking hard it is. Mm-hmm. And you feel terrible. Yeah. I mean, you felt it being in our industry. Like, you feel so rejected all the time. And here's this, this group of people who comes along that's like, hey, you're great. Right. And they, they, they massage you. It's almost the same way they recruit terrorists, dude. In a way. Totally. Like, well, I think all of it is extremism, hey. right? Hey, buddy. Yeah. You're yeah, right. they seem they seem very comforting and welcoming, and finally you think, oh, here are my people. You know, did you see how happy those people were in the in the Nexium doc? They were so uh, it was it was weird how happy they were. It was like, why aren't more of these people pointing at some dude and being like, that dude sucks? You know, <laughs> there's nobody there's talking shit. Nobody's talking shit about each other. They are clapping. They are they're running up on the stage to receive their colored ribbon yeah you know and they're they seem genuinely excited for each other yeah which is great that's a great thing it is but right until right now here's the thing that i am excited to find out in i'm assuming there are probably only a few more episodes of this doc i don't know exactly maybe it's five maybe it's eight the thing i'm excited to see in the last couple episodes which i need resolved is at what point did the evil shit start happening 
Right. At what point did it go from positive support group, helping people through their mental hurdles, you know, encouraging people to, to ask themselves difficult questions and something that really did seem like it was making a difference in people's lives. Yeah. I mean, dude, for, for an hour, I was like, this is great. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, when is this? I thought that for two and a half hours. When is the scandal going to happen? The difference between us and which is what worries me (laughs) because I'm telling the reason I wanted you to talk about this so badly was that I've just been so stunned by how, how much I, I genuinely thought like, yeah, I would have, I would have fallen for that. Yeah. And it's weird because I'm a cynical person, right? I say I would have fallen for it. I don't know. But dude, no, it's the same way that like, have you ever done like any sort of like acting fucking program or whatever? Yeah, so it looks it's like an same, improv team. Right. <laughs> but it's the same shit. Like they yeah. get, they get you vulnerable. And it gets to the point where for some reason in acting school, like somebody is crying about something every day. Yeah. And like they really, and like the teachers kind of abuse you too. They like get you vulnerable and then they start like criticizing you and you have to be really like mm-hmm. really strong to right. like deal with it. You know what I mean? Right. And it feels like the same kind of weird thing. Dude, so so this is the other thing that troubles me about this documentary. And this is going to be a very controversial point. It seems to me that the women were a driving force behind the evil shit. Yeah. And it's possible that they were because we haven't we don't know this yet from the having not seen certain things, but maybe the leader, Keith Ranieri, got the first woman duped and then had her under his power. And then she, I think it's that Allie Mack chick. Oh, yeah, yeah. It seems like she's like kind of the ringleader. Dude, when they showed the brand oh being God. the initials of, of the him, two of them. That was crazy. That blew my mind. Yeah, that was crazy. So, the point is, the, the inner sex ring or the circle of slaves. Yeah is all women. Yeah. And it's all women getting other women to join. And she, like shroud under the veil of women's empowerment. That's what and I'm that's, saying. That was so manipulative. It was them saying we're women, we need to look out for each other. We you know, women being Don't trustworthy let, yeah. of other women. Men men are going to come in with their hero complex and try to stop it. Bingo. Toxic masculinity, blah blah blah. And somehow they used all of that to create this fucked up torture based vow group yeah and i masters and slaves you gotta watch it it's 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 really fucking nuts and it's really well done and uh i'm really enjoying it um but as i said cults you know we, we picture a you know 40 people out in some meadow watching two people have sex and then sacrificing the newborn child to the right. the elders in the sky <laughs> that's not what a lot of these modern day cults are right it's not people eating people it's fucking yeah starts out as like a software program yeah i highly recommend the movie the invitation by the way if anyone have you ever seen that i haven't but I've, it's a horror movie it's about cults and it's like it feels so real and it's really fucking good i've wanted to see that it's a couple it of years old good. you'd like it a lot you should okay. watch it um yeah well dude it's funny so again like back to the point of like kind of the fine line between like what's a cult what isn't a cult what's a religion blah 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 like 
Mormons are a thing that we have kind of trouble understanding, I think. And and granted, you know, we hear a lot of the stories about like the extreme, the extremists like Warren Jeffs and the Church of the Latter-day Saints. Um, but it's also funny to just encounter that weird stuff in a way that's much more casual. Mm-hmm. And like we were talking about how a lot of the time intermingling can really sort of disarm you in a positive way. Right. Here's an example. I was in Zion National Park with my girlfriend before I did the Alaska trip. And to go to Zion, if you want to go to certain parts, you have to take like a shuttle in or whatever. So we did the private shuttle. It was like 30 bucks, whatever. We get picked up by this lady and she starts telling us about her family and how her husband was one of 13 and he was a Mormon. And listen to this. And she goes, all the boys in the family are named Jack. My husband's named Jack and all of his brothers are named Jack. And she goes, I just think it's hilarious. I was like, that is fucking hilarious. Yeah. But she goes, but it's a pain in the ass when the IRS is calling us every year trying to figure out who's who. Oh, yeah. That's the pain in the ass. <laughs> Not having to be like Jack, 6'2", blue eyes, <laughs> Jack likes four. Coldplay. That Jack. You don't have to... How many Jacks are there in the family? Number four, number I think five, five or six. That's so it's fucking just ridiculous. In that flight of boys. I know. So she was being funny about it and like, I appreciated that. But then she said this, and I thought this was great. They have a 60-person dinner every single week, every Sunday, everybody from all the families, the kids and the things and that, every Sunday. And she's like, and you come and go, whoever's around comes, and it's so nice. And I'm like, that sounds fucking great. does sound great. Like, that's a nice thing that Mormons are doing. Okay. All right. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop in this story. And I think that that's cool. You know what I mean? It was funny to see this lady tell me some story about how weird her fucking husband's shit is be like that's hilarious she doesn't even give a shit it's like she's seemed fairly normal to me she's telling us all these stories about you know their big dinners and this and that and i was like that's great mm-hmm. now this lady could have been the perfect spokesperson for a cult yeah you know watch completely out. disarmed me pretty soon she's you're like, gonna name your 12 sons jack right and the same way that in this nexium thing everybody kisses everybody on the lips like i'd be kissing chris on the lips when i see him hey yeah. chris Kissing Francis and the lips. Chris, That's their Chris did it nice. Yeah. <laughs> but like, they're able to completely overlook that because of the other shit. Mm-hmm. The same way that like the Jack thing suddenly isn't weird to me anymore because this lady seems normal and they have a party every Sunday. Right. I'm like, oh, well, it's not weird that they named their entire family the same name. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The same way that the kissing, I don't know. So I see what you're saying. It's that things that you when you start to think that small abnormalities aren't that weird you can then start to rationalize or justify bigger and bigger abnormalities absolutely but it can go both ways it can be a great thing yeah the same way when you just go to somebody's house who does shit differently you can really learn but you can also get yourself in a situation where your guard is let down and you don't even know that you're being preyed upon right you know Right. Which is why it's such a complicated thing. And dude, like, this is the other thing I was thinking. So another thing they do in this documentary, they take collateral, which is a classic cult thing. Yes. So they're like, all right, I'm going to let you into this secret society, but you need to send me a video of you, like, shoving something up your ass. And I get to keep it. And if you ever try to leave, we're going to show everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, something embarrassing. And maybe not shoving something up your ass, but that's... They all, another thing they do is they had one of the women say a whole bunch of horrible shit about her husband and her kids and which she like, didn't even mean apparently lies you know my husband beats my children so that if if she ever left the thing they would have that as collateral to discredit her presumably if, if she were to speak out about yeah it. right so um 
so that's like an interesting thing that they that they all these things do. You know what I mean? They and all they, take collateral. They all take collateral, yeah. and this should be like a and Scientology does it, and this should be like a surefire sign that like something is wrong potentially, mm-hmm. right? Like a red flag. The lady even said though, she's like, I felt like it was wrong, but like I just couldn't. Yeah. Well, they all said that in hindsight, you know, and they all talk about the intuition. The only person who was at all in tune with her intuition was the wife. The Australian of, lady. Yeah, the first, the wife of the documentary maker. Bonnie. Yeah. Bonnie. She was the only one who was like, fundamentally, this goes, this is at odds with what I think is right and normal. Right. right. Well, so, okay. So my point was, do you have any friends? Like, she's arguing with a lady who has the collateral of her. Mm-hmm. Nude fi- picture. She's like, are you serious? This is crazy. But do you have any friends who are just fucking crazy, who think crazy shit? And you, they're your friend. So you have to engage them. So you find yourself in this conversation with a person who is making absolutely no sense, but they think that they are. And something about like being close to somebody, you like want to respect their angle, even if it's completely not worth respecting. Like in the terms yeah. of this cult. Thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I, I, I get I, it. I get the dynamic. I, I agree with that. But I also think that as I've gotten older, the things that my... The, Let's put it this way. I, I'm still great friends to this day with a lot of the guys that I went to college with, right? Yeah. But back then, I had six roommates, sophomore year, right? We were all inseparable. We ate all of our lunches and dinners together in the dining hall. We went everywhere together. There, you know, we lacrosse practice. We were all teammates. If someone said we should go out tonight, we went out. If someone said we should do this, we should go into Boston. There's a party, a BC party. We should do that. Guys, we should go up to to Maine. We should we should get in a car and we should go skiing at you know Killington for the weekend. We 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 bought in, right? And nobody's crazy idea seemed that crazy, right? Right. But as I've gotten older, everyone has started to follow their own path a little bit more, and I look at some of the decisions that guys that are Still good friends, but whatever. But we're some of my best friends back then. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't fucking do that with him. Right. Or I wouldn't follow him down that road. Or at this point, you know, I would never do that. And and, and we're different now. And I am able to think for myself. Right, right. Whether it's drugs or spending money on certain things. You know what I mean? Right. And hopefully you are able to hear your own inner intuition against the din of the group think totally here's the question though there's so and i feel like this is an underestimated uh part of this dynamic so i'm your i'm your boy and we did and we did this thing together right and now you don't agree with it anymore but because you don't agree with it now i don't like you anymore like i just i think you're wrong and there's nothing that you can do that could to convince me that you're right that's powerful somehow. Totally. I don't want my good friends thinking I'm wrong about something. Nobody does. I want their approval. And I think that that is part of the like grooming process where you get in deep like that, where like your whole life is now. And they even talk about that. They're like, this is like a classic high control group. Absolutely. I mean, think about how both of the, the couples that got married said that, uh, you know, 80% of the guests at their wedding were Nexium people. I know, I know. Right? So if you break out, you're not just... You're not just leaving this thing that you signed up for. You are going against what your husband thinks. 
You're going, you're breaking away from your closest circle of friends. Yeah. You're leaving your life. Yeah. Crazy. Dude. I don't know. Lots to think about. Listen, if you have any experience with cults. Oh, yeah. We would really like to hear from you. Uh, if you're in one and you don't know it, please <laughs> send us why it's worth joining and helping your life. If you were in one and you broke out, we'd love to hear about that. Oops, the podcast at gmail.com is the best place for you to send that information. We will be back next week with lots more to talk about. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Francis. He's Julio. We'll see you soon.